0: All right, starting in five, four, three. Hello and welcome to the Listen to These Nerds. Uh, today I'm interviewing Jeff Stormer about his game, Anyone Can Wear the Mask. Hey Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. All right, uh, for our audience who doesn't know you and your work, would you mind giving uh, them a brief uh, intro to uh, who you are and what you're about? Absolutely. Uh, My name is Jeff Stormer. I'm
1: a podcaster, game designer, and the unofficial official LARP designer of the Olive Garden Restaurant. Uh, I am the host of Party of One, which is an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences, as well as a co-host of All My Fantasy Children, which is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast on the OneShot Podcast Network. Uh, But that's not why I'm here today. Today, I am here to discuss a little game called Anyone Can Wear the Mask, which is a three-player role-playing game about a superhero, a supervillain in the city that they share.
0: All right, so um, I guess, first of all, where, where did this idea come from of uh, a three-player RPG? Because I've, I've heard a bunch of like two-person RPGs, uh, but never one uh, quite like this, where there's not like clearly someone running the game so much as uh, everyone has their own unique role.
1: Uh, so the really the mechanical basis of the game is it's adapted from another game called Beyond the Rift by Deep Pennyway, which also is a, a three player game. But I mean, the larger answer is, uh, you know, small group games, two player games, three player games, one player games have kind of always been my my point of interest. They're the, the thing that I'm, I'm most comfortable with. So if you ask me to make a game, I, it's much harder for me to go, this is an experience for eight people than it is that, uh, to create a really small, intimate experience for like a small group of people. It's it's more my wheelhouse to create those smaller experiences because oftentimes those are the games that I'm playing.
0: All right. And uh, so I, I can see hero and villain being a very clear, like two roles to stat- start out with, but why did you choose the city, the third role in that?
1: because to me like it's it's a thing it's probably one of the most interesting things to me about superhero comics and about like the world of superheroes and about comic books and like stories about superheroes in general is like like you said superheroes and supervillains are like the natural dichotomy but to me one of the really interesting things and one of the things that really makes superhero stories and comics and movies and tv shows like really special is that these are worlds of ordinary people right like being a superhero You know, the act of protecting people doesn't really mean anything if there's not people to protect in the same way that, like, you know, having that that relationship between a hero and the people that they're protecting. That, to me, is really the 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 iconic, the really meaningful relationship. You know, like, you know, Superman and Lois Lane is a is a god and a mortal person. Right. Like that is to me, like the really kind of essential thing it is. And, and it kind of goes back to sort of the the emotional heart of the game which is Superman and Metropolis it's Batman and Gotham it is Spider-Man in New York City like it is it is really specifically a game about the way that those two 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 groups or two entities inform each other it's it's that to me is is the thing that i'm most interested in in superhero stories and this is my this game from top to bottom is my love letter to superhero stories it, it is the thing that i wanted to explore i wanted to create a game that captured the stuff that i love in this medium that i've indulged in since i was a kid and that i technically went to school for like this is my this is my 10 years late master's thesis and a big part of that is saying Superhero stories are made special because they're about ordinary people living in a world of gods. And like that was something that I wanted to bring into the the heart and the form of the game.
0: All right. Yeah, that's I mean, based solely on my reading and listening to uh, to to the actual play you posted to your uh, your podcast. I mean, it sounds like that you've definitely kind of captured that. I I just want to take a slight digression when you said that this is your like your master thesis. What did you go to school for exactly? Uh, Comic books at the academic study of comic books. Uh, I majored in
1: English at the Ohio State University, which is home to the uh, at the time when I was there, the only and I uh, assuming that others have probably propped up in the last 15 years. It's certainly the first uh, comic book research like academic library. Um, I happened to go there right when the, the they had sort of reopened it after to to make it like a proper part of the the school. So, uh, I was lucky enough to make my English degree focused on like comic book graphic narrative storytelling. So, uh, most of my studies were in superhero comics because what I was reading was superhero comics, but uh like I studied comics on the whole like that was the thing that i i i put my energy and i I have my degree in comic books in the closet behind me that i am recording uh in my recording space that
0: is super cool and i really kind of wish i had had that option when i did my english uh getting back on topic of the game um do you want to go into a little bit about how the game uh runs mechanically yeah
1: we can talk about the, the way the game plays mechanically. Um, So the core loop of the game is kind of in three parts. Like I said, there's three players. Uh, one player is the city. That is the ordinary people. It is the places and faces that make the the city come to life. And the game starts with that player flipping a card. Uh, that card tells us where our, the next chapter of our story, our next issue of our fictitious comic series is set. Uh, that can either be introducing a new major NPC if it's a face card, or more likely, because there are more number cards than face cards in a deck of playing cards, we are introducing a place that is going to be in danger. So you flip a card, uh, you look at the suit of the card, that kind of tells you the neighborhood of your city that you're in, then the number of the card gives you an idea of like what's going to happen. Uh, so the play starts with the, the city uh, describing a location, giving giving an ordinary place in the city, right? Like, Which is one of the things that I, I love about the game is I love, because I think it's something that's really special and it's my favorite thing in comics when you have like an ordinary place that is like an established location. So you start with the city flipping a card and that gives us our location. Then play is handed over to the villain who puts that place in danger based on the number of the card that they drew. Uh, Based on the number of the card that they drew, that place is put in danger either by a supervillain or a natural disaster. And they describe the threat. They describe who is in danger in this space. And then they roll a number of six-sided dice. And based on the results of that, play is handed over to the hero. And the hero describes how they save the day. It is an important mechanical distinction in the game that the hero always wins. No matter what threat the villain describes, the hero has full reign to describe exactly how they save the day because uh, anyone can wear the mask is not a game about whether or not the hero is going to save the day. It's a question about whether they're going to save everyone along the way. So if uh, the villain rolls a low number on their dice, that means that the hero either causes collateral damage or the hero gets hurt or worst case scenario, Ah, uh, the hero fails to save everyone, and there are people who are lost along the way. And if the villain rolls a high number, the hero describes how they become something greater than themselves and really kind of become this icon that the city can look to uh, and sort of like look up to and be the sort of big beaming hero that the city needs. And that's kind of the core loop of the game. Um over the course of play, you'll you'll flip cards. you'll you'll tell these stories. Eventually, you will flip over the Joker. Uh, there's one Joker hidden in the deck of cards. Uh, that Joker represents the what is called the downfall. The downfall is the moment that your big nemesis level villain appears. It is, you know, when Superman uh, meets Side. It is when Batman is when the Joker shows up, uh, makes himself known. And what happens then is the, the villain causes damage to the city. And the hero is unable to fully stop it. This is the one time in the game the hero really fails uh which sets up the fact that after that happens you shuffle the other joker into the deck uh when that second joker is pulled that represents the uprising which is our hero coming back bigger stronger having learned the lessons that they need to and they stop the villain they save the day and everybody goes home happy and that is anyone can wear the mask in two minutes
0: uh would you say that there there's a lot of replayability in uh in this for bringing back the same hero and villain over and over again, or is this more of a, you know, you tell a story, it's one and done. And then you come back next time uh, uh, with a new hero and a new villain and tell, uh, and a new city and tell a new story. Uh, I think you could go either way. It's written in a way um,
1: that is really specifically around. You can pretty easily come back to the same hero and city and like, just tell the next chapter of their story. I mean, you know, it, it, one of the things that I I love, you know, I'm, I'm wearing a Superman shirt as we do this interview, like these characters, characters that have lived for a 100 years and they follow all of their stories, kind of follow similar arcs. Uh, there is a lot of uh, a lot of play is made up of describing how the city changes as a result of the things the hero is doing and the way that the hero changes as a result of them protecting the city. And so it it is really easy to then like put that aside and the way that the, the last line of the game really specifically like talks about like if ever you need to come back to this, if ever there is another threat that threatens the city, you just kind of start the process over. And what's really interesting about that as an option is that it means that you're starting over in a city that has already changed. Like you're no longer playing in the the Gotham from Batman year one. Now you're in the Gotham from Batman, the new, the long Halloween, and you've watched that world change and you're revisiting that world in this character, having already gone through all of these other experiences. Or like you said, you can then go, okay, cool. That was the story of Batman and Gotham. Let's move on to Superman and Metropolis and see, and see how that story plays out. Cause they might play out in very large interesting different ways like they might you know the depending on the cards that you draw the order that you draw them like they might end up in very different places so i think the the cheat the cheat answer and the 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 most marketing answer i can give is it's really the best of both worlds
0: all right uh so uh, now that we have a general idea of the game uh and it's uh you know overall uh like uh the the arc of the story uh let's dive down into some of the these face cards because you kind of described what the number cards look like uh uh in play but so the the different face cards have uh what is it four different uh scenes
1: four different like outcomes that can play out each of them is tied to uh unlike the the number cards which are tied to sort of creating a scenario uh, your face cards are all built around building out like a prominent NPC or a prominent like side character in the superhero story. So you have uh, the Jack, which creates an ally, somebody that needs something from the hero, but in return can come back and help the hero save the day in a big, meaningful way. This can be anything from your your Robins to your Alfreds to your Lois Lanes to your Perry Whites. These are the characters that, like, mean something to the hero and, like, are able to kind of directly step into the line of fire and go, All right, I can help you solve this threat. Uh, you have your queens, which are the sort of ordinary people in in directly connected to the life that the hero has outside of the mask. So these are your, you know, uh, your, 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 uh, these are your Aunt Mays. These are your, uh, I guess Alfred fits in really well here. Like these are your, these are the ordinary people that allow the hero to be someone other than the, the mask that they show the public. And then you have Kings and Aces, which are sort of intertied together. Kings are your enemies. They are, uh, and as it says in the, as it states in the game, uh, they are People in power, people in positions of power within the city who have the ability to make things better for people and choose not to. Uh, these people actively oppose your efforts as a hero and like get in the way when you are trying to do heroic things and save the day. These are your J. Jonah Jamesons. This is your J. Jonah Jameson mechanic. And then finally you have the ace, which represents like a trusted confidant, someone who can help you find... A way to stop or like get your enemy out of the way, right? Like the way it works mechanically is when you flip a king, you roll one fewer dice in certain scenarios. Anytime you flip a card that matches that king's suit, but if you flip the ace of that same suit, you, uh, the the your confidant has the has the dirt to bring down this enemy, and you're able to remove that king from play. So it represents that character that like you know. It, you're you're meeting you're meeting with a shadowy figure in a parking garage that gives you a folder that allows you to take down lex Luthor all. and those are your are your four face card mechanics that flesh out the other sort of big supporting characters of
0: your world all right um so for your personal preference which role do you like playing
1: I love playing the city. Like the city is my favorite. I I like ordinary people and ordinary places and ordinary things. I I mean I love I love being a superhero. Like don't get me wrong, that is who you know. It is a thing that I treasure. But like if you ask me to pick one of the three roles, I'm gonna play the city every time because I adore the I I adore just having my role in the game be i get to describe weird diners and you know ordinary people working ordinary jobs like that to me is the thing that is most interesting to me and is my favorite part of the game by a wide
0: stretch all right included uh at the end of the book uh is are some other ways to play uh for like playing with less players or uh playing with a more uh Antagonistic villain, where the mm-hmm. the villain gets a little bit more agency in in making the the hero's life miserable, is that something that uh, was inherited from the the from the the system you base this on, or is that uh, c- completely your creation?
1: Um, a little bit of both. The sort of alternate rules around making it a two player game or a single player game were largely lifted from Beyond the Rift, but uh, the rules for like antagonistic villain play. Um, are we kind of pulled out of like play testing the game specifically? Uh, when we played it on podcasts, one of the people that we played it with had mentioned that they would have really loved like the ability to mess with hero, like the hero's plans a little bit more directly. And so that eventually turned into that other, uh, sort of core role. That that one was sort of born out of uh, a desire to make the game a little bit more superhero comic y and to make the game a little bit more. Uh, like flexible in the style of superhero comic that you wanted that, that you might want to play. Uh, so there's, you know, like there are there are the stories that are a lot like the ones that the game sort of naturally creates where it's the hero is presented a threat and then like that's kind of it. And then some players wanted a style of play where the villain is kind of actively like getting in the hero's face and making things difficult for them and making their life a little more more challenging. And so we wanted to include a version of the game that kind of had a little bit more of that style. Uh, The other thing we'll probably eventually add into that uh, back at that last page of the book, that sort of extra content section Because this is one of the things about the game that I've been really enjoying is that it's kind of a living. It's been so far a really living document in terms of we've been making a lot of like changes to it, like on the fly and adding things that we feel like are are good and fun. It's the nice thing about have about like selling it entirely digitally through a storefront that we control is that like if I want to make a round of typo fixes, I can just go in and do that. Um, but like one of the other things that I want to add in that section that I probably will at some point, or I won't, you're not my dad. Uh, I might also add in, a co- like, hot ver- uh, like game rules specifically around pacing out the game to certain lengths of time, because that's the other kind of uh thing that we've dis- or that I've discovered playing the game on podcasts is I've gotten a pretty good handle on how many cards it will take you to fill out like a two hour game or a four hour game or an eight hour game. Like knowing how, like have it and putting that directly in the book is probably
0: a valuable thing. So you would do something like, you know, take out all the even numbered cards or some, something like that to, to shorten the game. Uh So say? what
1: we've, what we've done is uh the rule that I found is, is you just pull the top, uh pull the top, for a 2 hour game I usually pull the top 10 cards out of the deck for a 4 hour game I might pull the top half of the deck. You just kind of pull those cards and then the one thing to the to the one note that I think would probably make it into the book is once you've pulled those cards and you've made your little mini deck just make sure that if you have a king of a given suit make sure the ace of the of the same suit is also in that deck. That way, just mechanically, you have the ace for a given king, so you have the option for that scene if you want it included. But otherwise, it's kind of just a matter of, like, knowing how many cards and how about long a scene tends to take and being able to say, like, okay, so this many cards will roughly fill two to three hours. If you're looking for something longer, pull more cards than this. If that's kind of what you're after, you want to aim for about that.
0: Uh, Do you worry about... uh... Uh, creating like a suit bias by just pulling cards randomly
1: you know it was something that i've thought about but i i i think the game it largely doesn't the role that the suits play is pretty negligible and it, it largely exists to primarily just uh like drive the drama so i think it's it's a it's a concern that i have and there are a few ways that i've sort of addressed that on one or two of the playthroughs that we've done but it's also not it's not something where if you end up with more of one suit than the others that it's going to uh derail the game or break it anyway it just might push the narrative in in a more specific direction like if you have more of your character's strong suit than any of the other suits your hero is going to be a little more bright and colorful and if you have more of the other suits that don't match that character's, uh, strong abilities. Like you're going to have more collateral damage and a little bit more, uh, and, and like dealing with a little bit more loss. But on the whole, I think that it's not so much a game balance issue as it is just like a narrative drive issue.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I guess, uh, since the, the, the outcome is, uh, is already prescribed by how, how the game ends. Uh, it's really just changes the, how you get there part.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you you kind of know that the hero is going to win it's just a matter of like how difficult it is for the hero to save people is really the only thing that would happen as the result of a of a suit bias and in the games that we've played uh like it's something that's been in the back of my mind but it's not something that necessarily like leapt out at me as a oh i'm getting an i'm getting too many of one suit or another suit like it kind of just feels like the draw of the card. For lack
0: of a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh so earlier uh you mentioned that the that it's kind of uh been a bit of a living document because you control your own storefront. Do you feel like that's uh like a positive thing for uh uh like a, as a game developer to to just have that freedom to be to say that the game's not really ever done done because you can always go back and make more changes? Or do you think that it's uh that it's going to become one of those things where you're like well i haven't taken a look at uh anyone can wear the mask in in a in a bit maybe i should go back maybe i should polish that maybe i should you know you know just have that constantly be like up uh you know in your brain as something you can that you're like going back to and tinkering i know there are people that would
1: feel the exact opposite but like i i get this feeling of Uh, For me, for me and my purposes, I feel like even if I continue to fiddle with it, the game is done, which is a nice feeling, because in my mind, there are people that are going to download the game and they'll never they'll never go back. Like they'll never look at they'll never go back to the itch page. They'll never download a new version of it. They'll never look at a dev log. They'll never look at any of the, the emails that get sent out through the through the storefront about the game. It just is done. And for those people that the product that they have is the finished thing. And in my mind that means that my work is done. Like, if they're never going to look at it again, like, then for what I delivered was the finished product. And it wasn't a perfect product. There were, there were errors and there were, there were gaffes in it and there were like typos and there's a mechanic that I forgot to explain in the first version of the game. But you know what? It's done. I can't, I can't retroactively make all of the people that downloaded it on day 1 re-download it. So any fiddling that I do with it is just me fiddling with it for fun. So I feel like I'm kind of in the best of both worlds of like getting to say that I finished a thing and then if I feel like noodling, I can I can noodle with
0: it. All right. Uh so I've only seen the one version, the version you sent me. So what would you say the most dramatic change from from like launch day to now has been in the game?
1: Um, so I, there's been no like mechanical changes. I, the biggest change was there's a mechanic already in the game that I added where if you, if the villain rolls a six on a six sided dice, the hero gets a point of inspiration that they can use to, uh, either recover an injury or make the villain roll an extra dice on future rolls. Somehow. I published the game and almost a month went by before I looked in the rulebook and realized that description was not actually in the game and I had written it in my head and nowhere else. Somehow I had just published this game went, all right, we're done. I'm going to go have, I'm going to go make lunch and didn't realize that I didn't explain one of the mechanics of the game. So the first pub, the first major update was me going, Hey y'all, I forgot to include this. It's there now. Uh, enjoy. But the uh, the other major update that's coming probably in the next month or so, but I'm not exactly sure when it's gonna drop, which is another thing that I'll talk about in a second because I've got a lot of feelings about it, is we're adding art to the game. So it's not like a mechanical change, but I want I want there to be internal art in the book, and I'm excited to like drop that in place, and that's gonna be the the last big update before I kind of call it done.
0: All right. Uh so uh is this a are are you one of those game designers who does all of your own art or are you uh, hiring some some artists to do some pretty pictures for you?
1: Oh I am higher. I would never I would never for I would never force anyone to look at things that I've drawn. Um we hired um I hired Eli Forbes. Um he is a wonderful, wonderful artist. He did the front cover of the book, which is absolutely astoundingly good i went i got that back i got the cover art back and ran around like ran around my apartment in d a I, sh- I ran to my wife and said look at this amazing drawing and b i dm'd it to all of my friends to be like hey look at this cool thing that cool thing that i just paid for like uh so eli is doing all of the internal art of the book there's going to be about like i think six uh five or six internal uh like spot illustrations Uh, And then we had uh, Leo Chung do all of the internal layout. So it's going to have like aesthetically speaking, it's going to be very cool because the actual layout is very uh, is very colorful. Like it's got a lot of red and yellow and blue. It's got a lot of it's washed in a very Superman color palette. And then the actual spot art is all going to be black and white line art. So you're going to have a really cool like aesthetic contrast to it. It's going to look really neat and I'm really excited about it. But um the ni- the thing that we did was we released the game without the internal spot art because I had said like I have I am going to pay for the internal layout and the front cover and then sell the game in uh, in an unfinished state for slightly less than what I'm going to make the final price of the game so that when we upload it with art we can sell it for full price and people who paid uh, who ordered it early get to get a little bit of like a pre-order discount. Um and the nice thing about that, the nice thing that sort of Uh, is I made the conscious decision when I first started, like talking to people about the game and being like, I am making this game, you know, I got the question that every designer gets, which is, are you going to Kickstarter? And I said, God, no, I said, no, I'm, I'm good. Uh, and the nice thing about that is I have no stress. It's great. I got to release the game when I wanted it. It's out in the world now um and i can go back to what i was saying earlier like i can go back in and drop in the art whenever it's done i don't have to rush and try to get it done like i don't have kickstarter backers knocking at my door and asking me when stuff is done it's just it's gonna be out in the world and when the art is ready i can drop it in and it's a great feeling i'm really i'm really pleased with how Uh, Nicely, we were able to sort of take some of the sales strategies around a Kickstarter, like podcast promotion and stretch goals and stuff like that, and bake that into the finished product without the stress of that accursed green clock that you watch for 30 days uh, and you and you watch and you think about and you refresh that page 4000 times a day because you watch the one green number go up and the other green number go down. Mm hmm. I have very strong Kickstarter feelings <laughs> mm. but yeah, we 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 uh, I said that I wanted to do all the things that we did in a Kickstarter w- without doing it on a Kickstarter. So the itch page has stretch goals on it that we've already met a few of. And the nice thing is that, like because it's not timed, whenever the game sells enough money to hit those other stretch goals, I'll have the money to do those other things. And like all the promotion that we did around it was the same promotion that I would have done if we had launched a Kickstarter. But the only difference is, like, I don't have that stress. And let me tell you, feels real
0: good. It's a good feeling. Um, all right. Uh, uh, is there anything else you want uh, to highlight from uh, the process of making uh, Anyone Can Wear the Mask, the, the product itself, uh, uh, random something else vaguely related that you'd like to riff on for, like, an hour if you wanted to? Um... Nothing else immediately
1: comes to mind. uh, we could talk about, uh, we could talk about like uh the the one that the other thing, the last thing I want to talk about is secretly my favorite part of the game, uh and also which also which ties into like the the promotional process of the game. It ties into where else you can hear the game being played, and it's my favorite thing that the game does. And that is uh the really neat thing about this game that I deeply love is it is beyond just being like a cool game that tells a really good story that I'm really like happy with and satisfied of. It it sets the stage for superhero stories in a way that I think is really like kind of cool and innovative. And uh, I've kind of gotten to t- in a way that I'm very happy with because we played it on a bunch of superhero themed actual plays. And it's been really good fun watching like Playing it in, in, in podcasts that I listen to and enjoy and getting to hear those those uh, podcasts because the process of the game is you make a bunch of stuff, right? Like you make a bunch of locations, you name a bunch of characters, you make up a bunch of villains. And then like for people playing an ongoing superhero game in another system, you just have all of those places and characters and stuff and you have them in a way that you already kind of had an emotional tie to them. So, like, it's not just that we sat down one day before we played our superhero game and said, all right, here is a diner. We had this, we're going to have a diner. It, this is the diner that's going to exist in our world. It is that you you experience this diner because superhero stuff has happened here, which means when you come back to it, you already have that emotional relationship to it. Um, It is a really cool compliment to your favorite superhero role-playing game. Like, I'm really proud of the way that, like, you can play this game in between sessions of a masks game or concurrently with a masks game or, you know, take a mutants and masterminds campaign and use this as your session zero. Like the way that you can use anyone can wear the mask in relation to other superhero games shreds. And I'm really proud of that. And it's low key, my favorite part of the game. It's low key, my favorite uh, way that the game plays. And I'm, I've am i been very, I've been very lucky and proud and pleased with getting to kind of see that play out because it was kind of the thing I was most excited about when we were making the game.
0: Yeah, that that's uh, super cool. And uh, to to be honest, like after reading it, I was thinking, you know, I, we could really use this in conjunction with a, a game that we're, we're going to be running in the near future. We're running a, uh, a masked game as a road trip to kind of flush out the, the setting for our uh our big ongoing superhero uh game uh heroes of pacific city and the idea is that there there are a bunch of teens uh uh going east uh, to west trying to to get to pacific city uh and then and we've kind of uh recontextualized the 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 US in a post uh supervillain takeover world mm-hmm. where uh the villains kind of carved up most of North America into their own like little fiefdoms, and then they lost and the instead of coming back together into the, their original states, they've now become their own mini countries uh, and we're, uh, I was thinking that uh, we could use uh, anyone can wear the mask to kind of establish one of these cities uh, what it's like in this, uh, in this new uh, world before the uh, the the masks characters. Arrive there. And I thought, that yeah, was, I
1: think that's, you know, I think that's a great, that's a great fit. Cause then all the locations and the people that you've met all have like, all have emotions and stories tied to them. Like I was saying, like, it's not just that it's, it's not just that it's a diner. It's the diner where the hero went and met with their, went and met with their, you know, met went and met with their parents that they have a good relationship with. It's, it's not just, city hall it's the remnants of city hall that are being rebuilt after the superhero supervillain battle in the finale like you you have those experiences it, 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 it gives everything that you use in your core game that that feel of when you see like a shot an outside shot of the daily planet and you go i know that spot i know that i know that spot i'm familiar with what with what this is and i know the what that what that iconography
0: means yeah no it, it's definitely uh uh, hopefully, going to be a, a really cool, fun thing uh, to do, and I, I hope that uh, even if you're not uh, invested in the rest of our, our stuff, you, uh, when we eventually post that, you give it a listen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I, I love listening to people play this game.
0: Yeah, uh, I I will say that we will endeavor to do a much better job than we did uh, when we ran your last game, and I failed to read about half of the setting material. Fair. That's fair. Uh. But uh, yeah, uh, if there's nothing else, I'd like to just uh, thank you for for coming on. And uh, if you'd like to reiterate uh, to our listeners where uh, they can find you online and uh, follow you and such.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So you can pick up Anyone Can Wear the Mask at jeffstormer.itch.io slash mask. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Party of One Pod. You can check out the podcasts that I produce, the games that I make. All of that kind of stuff. You can find all of that information at jeffstormer.com. com, And uh, you can find Party of One at Party of One Podcast.com. And you can find all my fantasy children at One Shot Podcast.com. And
0: I think that's everything.
1: I'm pretty sure that's everything.
0: All right. Well, uh, thank you again for coming on. And uh, definitely going to be looking forward to um, <laughs> future updates on this and uh, whatever you uh, put out next. Hell yeah. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Tumblr at listentothesenerds.tumblr.com or on Twitter at lttncast. All our music is sourced from incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. You can email us at listentothesenerds at gmail.com